Chapter 5 of The Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter 5 The Terrace Garden. Alice Maybell grew up very pretty not a riot beauty without much color rather pale indeed and a little sad what struck one at first sight was a slender figure with a prettiness in every motion a clear tinted oval face with very large dark eyes such as chaucer describes in his beauties as ie's gray as glass with very long lashes her lips of a very brilliant red, with even little teeth, and when she smiled, a great many tiny soft dimples. This pretty creature led a lonely life at Wyvern. Between her and the young squires, Charles and Henry, there intervened the great gulf of twenty years. She was left very much to herself, Sometimes she rode into the village with the old squire. She sat in the wyvern pew every Sunday, but except on those and like occasions the townsfolk saw little of her. Taint after her father or mother she takes with them heirs of hers. There was no pride in the vicar, or poor Mrs. Maybell, and she'll never be like her mother, a nice little thing she was. So said Mrs. Ford of the George Inn at Wyvern. But what she called pride was in reality shyness. About Miss Maybell there was a very odd rumor floating in the town. It had got about that this beautiful young lady was in love with old Squire Fairfield, or at least with his estate of Wyvern. The village doctor was standing with his back to his drawing-room fire, and the newspaper in his left hand lowered to his knee, as he held forth to his wife and romantic old Mrs. Diaper at the tea-table. If she is in love with that old man, as they say, take my word for it, she'll not be long out of a madhouse. How do you mean, my dear? asked his wife? I mean it is not love at all, but incipient mania. Her lonely life up there at Wyvern would make any girl odd, and it's setting her mad. That's how I mean. My dear sir, remonstrated fat Mrs. Diaper, who was learned as well as romantic. Romance takes very whimsical shape at times, Vanessa was in love with Dean Swift, and very young men were passionately in love with Ninon Delenclos. Tut stuff! Did I ever hear? exclaimed Mrs. Buttle derisively. Who ever thought of love or romance in the matter? The young lady thinks it would be very well to be mistress of Wyvern and secure a comfortable jointure. And so it would. And if she can make that unfortunate old man fancy her in love with him, she'll bring him to that, I have very little doubt. 
i never knew a quiet minx that wasn't sly smooth water in fact through the little town of wyvern shut out for the most part from the forest grounds and old grey manor house of the same name it came to be buzzed abroad and about that whether for love or from a motive more sane though less refined pretty miss alice maybell had set her heart on marrying her surly old benefactor whose years were enough for her grandfather it was an odd idea to get into people's heads but why were her large soft grey eyes always following the squire by stealth and after all what is incredible of the insanities of ambition or the subtlety of women in the stable yard of wyvern master charles had his foot in the stirrup and the old fellow with a mulberry-coloured face and little grey eyes who held the stirrup leather at the other side said grinning i wish ye may get it get what said charles fairfield arresting his spring for a moment and turning his dark and still handsome face with a hard look at the man for there was something dry and sly in his face and voice what we was talking of the old house and the land said the man hey is that all said the young squire as he was still called at four-and-forty throwing himself lightly into the saddle i'm pretty easy about that why what's the matter what if the old fellow took it in his head to marry marry eh well if he did i don't care but what the devil makes you talk like that why man there's black and white seal and parchment for that the house and acres are settled tom and who do you think would marry him you're the last to hear it any child in the town could tell you miss alice maybell oh do they really i did not think of that said the young squire first looking in old tom's hard grey eyes then for a moment at his own boot thoughtfully and then he swung himself into the saddle and struck his spur in his horse's side and away he plunged without another word he don't like it not a bit said tom following him with a scant look as he rode down the avenue no more do i she's always a watchin of the squire and old harry does throw a sheep's eye at her and she's a likely lass what though he be old it's an old rat that won't eat cheese as tom stood thus he received a poke on the shoulder with the end of a stick and looking round saw old squire harry the squire's face was threatening turn round damn ye what were you saying to that boy o mine nothing as i remember lied tom bluntly come what was it said the hard old voice sternly i said black-eyed be the better of a brushin boot that's all i mind you lie i saw you look over your shoulder before you said it 
and while he was talking he saw me a comin and he looked away i caught ye at it ye pair of false prattin scoundrels ye were talkin of me come what did he say sirrah ne'er a word about ye ye lie out we it sir or i'll make your head sing like the church bell and he shook his stick in his great tremulous fist with a look that tom knew well ne'er a word about you from first to last said tom and he cursed and swore in support of his statement for a violent master makes liars of his servants and the servile vices crop up fast and rank under the shadow of tyranny i don't believe you said the squire irresolutely you're a liar tom a black liar ye'll choke we ye lies some day you fool but the squire seemed partly appeased and stood with the point of his stick now upon the ground looking down on little tom with a somewhat grim and dubious visage and after a few moments silence he asked where's miss alice taking a walk sir where i say she went towards the terrace garden answered tom and toward the terrace garden walked with a stately tottering step the old squire with his great mastiff at his heels under the shadow of tall trees one side of their rugged stems lighted with the yellow sunset the other in soft gray while the small birds were singing pleasantly high over his head among quivering leaves he entered the garden ascending five worn steps of stone between two weather-worn stone urns it is a pretty garden all the prettier though sadder for its neglected state tall trees overtop its walls from without and those gray walls are here and there overgrown with a luxuriant mantle of ivy within are yew trees and wonderfully tall old myrtles laurels not headed down for fifty years and grown from shrubs into straggling melancholy trees its broad walls are now overgrown with grass and it has the air and solitude of a ruin in this conventional seclusion seated under the shade of a great old tree he saw her the old-fashioned rustic seat on which she sat is confronted by another with what was once a gravel walk between more erect shaking himself up as it were he strode slowly toward her her head was supported by her hand her book on her lap she seemed lost in a reverie as he approached unawares over the thick carpet of grass and weeds well lass what brings you here you'll be sneezing and coughing for this won't you sneezing and coughing a moist dark nook ye've chosen squire harry placing himself nevertheless on the seat opposite 
She started at the sound of his voice, and as she looked up in his face, he saw that she had been crying. The squire said nothing but stiffly scuffled and poked the weeds and grass at his feet for a while with the end of his stick and whistled low some dreary old bars to himself. At length he said abruptly, but in a kind tone, You're no child now, you've grown up. You're a well-thriving, handsome young woman, little Alice. There's not one to compare wi ye of all the lasses that come to Wyvern Church. Ye bear the bell, ye do, ye bear the bell. Ye know it, don't ye? Come say, lass. Don't ye know there's none to compare wi ye? Thank you, sir. It's very good of you to think so. You're almost so kind, said pretty Alice, looking very earnestly up in his face her large tearful eyes wider than usual and wondering and perhaps hoping for what might come next i'll be kinder maybe never ye mind ye like wyvern lass the old house well it's snug it is it's a good old english house none of your thin brick walls and greek pillars and scrape o rotten plaster like my lord Rybroke's sprawling house. They think so fine, but they don't think it, only they say so, and they lie just to flatter the peer. Damn them. They go to London and learn courtiers' ways there. That wasn't so when I was a boy. A good old gentleman that kept house and hounds here was more by a long score than half a dozen fine loonin lords. And you're handsomer, Alice, and a deal better, and a better lady, too, than the best of them painted fine ladies that's too nice to eat good beef or mutton, and can't call a cabbage a cabbage, I'm told, and would turn up their eyes like a duck in thunder, if a body told them to put on their pattens and walk out as my mother used to look over the poultry. But what was that you were saying? I forget. I don't think, sir, I don't remember was I saying anything. I, uh, I don't recollect, said Alice, who knew that she had contributed nothing to the talk. And you like Wyvern, pursued the old man, with a gruff sort of kindness. Well, you're right, it's not been a bad home for ye, and ye'd grieve to leave it. Aye, you're right, there's no place like it. There's no air like it, and ye love Wyvern, and ye shan't leave it, Alice. Alice Maybell looked hard at him. She was frightened and also agitated. She grew suddenly pale, but the squire, not observing this, continued. That is, unless you'd be the greatest fool in the countryside. You'd miss Wyvern, and the old woods, and glens, and spinneys, and mayhap you'd miss the old man a bit too not so old as they give out though and tisn't always the old dog gives in first mind ye nor the young un that's the best dog neither i don't care that stick for my sons no more than they for me that's reason 
they're no comfort to me nor never was they'd be devilish glad i was carried out a wyvern hall feet foremost oh sir you can't think hold your little fool's tongue i'm wiser than you if it warn't for you child i don't see much my life would be good for you don't wish me dead like those cubs hold your tongue lass i see someone's been frightening you but i'm not going to die for a bit don't you take on gie us your hand and he took it and held it fast in his massive grasp ye've been crying ye fool them fellows been saying i'm breaking up it's a damned lie i've a mind to send them about their business i do it as ready as put a horse over a three-foot wall but i've twelve years life left in me yet i'm good for fourteen years if i live as long as my father did he took his time about it and no one heard me grumble and i'll take mine don't ye be a fool i tell you there's no one gonna die here that i know of there's gentle blood in your veins and you're a kind lass and i'll take care of you mind i'll do it and i'll talk to you again and so saying he gave her hand a parting shake and let it drop and rising he turned away and strode stiffly from the garden he was not often so voluble and now the whole of this talk seemed to alice maybell a riddle he could not be thinking of marrying but was he thinking of leaving her the house and a provision for her life end of chapter five recording by john brandon